So for example, looking at like the defined centers, right, that's going to affect what the best way to exercise is and how, whether we're, you know, if we're doing too much high intensity exercise, we're going to feel like completely drained because thinking about the root center, defined versus open, someone who has a defined center needs more like high intensity, like get the energy out, expel the energy. Someone with a non-defined root center is going to need something more grounding, something a little slower pace, something more like yoga. And that's really going to make them feel more grounded. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you are here with me today. And this episode was honestly so much fun. It has been a long time since I have had a health practitioner come on the show to actually talk about nutrition and wellness. And I had so many questions <laughs> about gut health and um, the microbiome and emotions, emotional eating. So my guest today is Hope Pedraza, and she is a certified holistic nutritionist. She is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She is also the host of the Hopeful and Wholesome podcast and the founder of In Balance, which is a Pilates-based fitness franchise. And Hope reached out to me on Facebook about her brand and her business coming on the show. And we had an amazing conversation on Zoom. And it was one of those conversations where I had a hundred questions and I was like, okay, we need to save this for the podcast. And I am always so 
interested to learn more about nutritional health, to learn more about holistic wellness, gut health. And I think that, um, you know, there's, there's so much misinformation out there, but one of the things that all of us want is to look better and to feel better. And we're, we live in a, in a society right now with filters and, um, diet culture and so much access to information that can leave us in a place of feeling less than or comparing ourselves. And so I knew it was important for us to have this conversation today. So if you are someone who has ever struggled with gut health, or you have struggled with food or, um, you know, just a negative mindset, you felt like you needed to control things, um, or you just want to understand holistic wellness better overall, this episode is going to be one that you will absolutely love. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Hope. Hope, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation because when you and I had the chance to um, connect prior to doing this, I had so many questions for you. I was just like geeking out on everything that you were sharing, um, your approach to wellness and nutrition and gut health and all the things. So I knew that I want. I was like, let me just save all that, uh, you know, for the podcast so the listeners can can kind of hear our conversation. So yeah. welcome to the show. I'm so grateful Thank to have you. you. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Amazing. Well, we start every episode off the same, same way. And the same question is what's, uh, one boldly courageous thing you've done recently. Um, I, my boldly courageous thing I've done it, I have decided, I know we talked a little bit about this and we talked before, but I'm like jumping into it and I'm, um, integrating human design into my nutrition programs. And I'm like super excited about it. So that's my courageous act right now. That (laughs) is courageous. So yeah, I don't think I've ever, I mean, you see this a lot in the coaching world. Like I I would, nutrition is obviously a part of the coaching industry, but when I think of the coaching industry, it's mostly like business coaches, mindset coaches, and you Mm -hmm. see things like the Enneagram or human design. Um, I think those are the two big ones that I see the most of, but Mm -hmm. I've never come across anyone or practitioner who is incorporating that into their health coaching practice. So I love that. So what was sort of the catalyst behind that? Like, why does that even matter? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, with, with my programs and my, you know, my nutrition coaching and all that, I already take a pretty like individual approach, right? Because I mean, that's what you have to do when you're dealing with, with health. And so I'm all big about, you know, bio-individuality, everybody's different. You can't have the same diet for everybody, all of that stuff. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in that while I am, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. I am plant-based, but I understand that everybody is meant to be plant-based. I'm you know, fully aware, but I think it's important to understand the differences in human bodies and the differences in our nervous system and the differences in how like our energy reacts to the environment around us and all those things. And so I feel like any opportunity to individualize a program for someone is powerful. And I feel like human design is that it's just another way to really personalize and individualize a program to make you more successful and to make you feel more empowered with how you approach your health. Mm. This is so interesting because it really does, um, remove this, this idea or this stigma that if you just eat healthy and work out that you'll get results. Mm -hmm. And for, I think an overwhelming majority of people that 
can work. Like I have seen it work, but then you get some people where like, no matter what they do, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. nothing seems to work. Or, you know, I know from my own experience, like so much of my relationship to food was not even about the food. It was about my relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And there's an energy behind it. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that the vibration that you're in or your frequency or your mood or any of those things actually impact the way that your body receives nutrients from food and the way that you digest things, or is that kind of in our head? No, I think it's absolutely, no, it's definitely (laughs) not in your head. It's absolutely connected. I mean, and and that's the the thing I, I love about holistic nutrition. And I think it's something that people don't really understand exactly what holistic nutrition means, but it's taking that holistic approach where there's a lot of things that affect how your body reacts to food and your emotions and your energy is totally one of them. And that's one thing I have my, most of my clients do, and we're starting out is, you know, a food journal is so like, like a little boring, but to do a food journal and, and not just talk about like the food that I ate, but how did I eat? How did I feel before I ate? How did I feel while I was eating? How did I feel afterwards? What event happened? But did anything, you know, eventful happen before, you know, because the, the state that you're in when you're eating absolutely affects how your body metabolizes food, our nervous system, our digestive system, all of those things are all interconnected. So it's, it's absolutely 100% all it's all related. Okay. So when I'm going on a date and I'm really, really nervous, right. <laughs> I don't want to have like an upset stomach or be like, you know, you don't want to be bloated on a date, but like, I do notice that if I'm super nervous, my food doesn't digest Absolutely. as well. So how can I better prepare to go on dates and not get bloated after? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good question. I love this so much. Oh my gosh. And actually, this is something I'm looking at. And I actually just got a course um, from like the Polyvagal Institute to learn more about like the nervous system and stuff, Mm -hmm. because that, I think that's something too, that, that we don't really take into account because like you're talking about, and that's a perfect example is like having a nervous stomach and I'm type a, I grew up like perfection, super type a, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist, but you know, the tendencies are still there, but it, I grew up with, my stomach was always a wreck. And that was, that was the main, I mean, I was always worried about something or nervous or, you know, whatever and trying to be perfect. And it's, it's the perfect example. Anyone that's ever felt that feeling in their stomach, your digestive system and your brain are connected. And so really it's, it's figuring out a way to regulate your nervous system, being able to calm down your nervous system, which allows everything else to calm down in your body and figuring out what that means for you. Cause it's different for everybody. Hmm. It's so true. Like I know, um, before I do public speaking, like I hosted an event a couple weekends ago and I can't eat beforehand. Like I just like, and even when I, afterwards, when I do eat, my stomach still bothers me. Mm -hmm. I always try to eat like during the day, I want very light things. Like I want smoothies or green juices, but then afterwards I want something like really grounding and heavy. Mm -hmm. I want like a French fries Mm -hmm. or pasta or like something Mm -hmm. that's like hearty and solid. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But I do notice that when I'm nervous, food just goes right through me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I can, I can attest to that too. I used to run marathons and I would always be so just anxious about, and I would like, there's no way I can eat a meal. Like, I know they're like, you know, eat, you know, of course the night before you eat, but then the morning of, I'm like, there's no way I can eat breakfast. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to be hitting the porta potty half a mile in. Like, no, (laughs) exactly. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about emotional eating because I know, um, this is something that a lot of, uh, people struggle with. A lot of women struggle with emotional eating and, um, something that I've noticed 
for me personally is I think, um, and, and maybe you can speak to this, like the difference between, is it really emotional eating or is it, you know, hormonal eating? Um, but I do notice sometimes that when I'm feeling like I want to be mothered a little bit, I like comfort, cozy, like warmer foods, like root vegetables, pastas, creamy things, mushrooms, things that are like more grounding, more nurturing. Um, and it just, it, I don't know, there's just something about it that feels good. So is there actual science behind that? Or is it more of just a mental thing? Like, is it more of a, maybe a habitual thing or like yeah. a self, a self soothing thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really and truly all of us are emotional eaters. All of us have emotions tied to certain foods and whether it's, you know, quote, I'm using quotes here, good or bad. There's all of us eat emotionally and, and we just, we're humans. You know, we have, we have, um, emotions tied to things when we were kids, certain foods make us feel certain things as we ate as a kid or whatever. Now it's when it gets to be, um, you know, sacrificing our health and like our mental health is when it gets to be a problem. And so it's when it's, it turns into that's, that's what make, that's what is making me feel safe right now is, is eating this right here. It's when it mm. becomes a thing to like, this is how I'm regulating my nervous system right now is grabbing this to eat. That's when it becomes a problem. And so it's when that's, you know, our coping mechanism and that's, what's calming us down or making us feel, you know, we want it to make us feel a certain way to get us out of the way we're feeling currently that's really when it gets to become a problem. And there is science behind that, but it's, it's really just recognizing like the triggers and recognizing the patterns and then just having different ways to cope where it's not, I'm not grabbing because most of the time when it's that sort of emotional eating, it's stuff that isn't necessarily the healthiest, right? We're not necessarily gravitating towards the healthiest foods when we're feeling that way. So it's, it's, it's recognizing the feeling, the emotion that's associated with it. It's recognizing the trigger, what situation or person or whatever's triggering that. Mm-hmm. And then, and finding an alternative, right? Whether it's, let me go for a walk around the block real quick. Like, let me go mm-hmm. sit outside for a second, take a breath. Like whatever it is, again, talking about regulating the nervous system, bringing kind of balancing out what's going on inside your head and your brain and nervous system and letting that trigger kind of just, you know, pass you by. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like just a lot of self-awareness, like really mm-hmm. pausing and being able to bring more awareness because I'm, I feel like eating can just be kind of an autopilot thing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's everything too. We get in just kind of habits and which, you know, it's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but, um, but I also think it's important to, you know, variety is the spice of life. And it's kind of really what's important for good gut health too. So it is also important to create some variety, um, you know, in what we're eating and how we're eating, you know? Mm. So let's talk about gut health because it's such a big thing right now. You see it all over, you know, social media, people talking about, I mean, there's, there's so many conflicting views on what's good, what's bad. Um, some, some health coaches will say you can't eat these types of foods together. Other people say that's ridiculous. That's crazy. So, um, when you think of, of like, what is gut health? And what would you say are like the key components to having a healthy gut? Yeah. Good question. Um, so gut health, I mean, it's pretty broad, right. And it's, it's, it's going to be, it's a pretty broad topic, but when we're talking about like having a healthy gut, we're specifically really talking about healthy gut microbiome, which is all the bacteria and the enzymes that are in your gut. We have good bacteria and we have bad bacteria and we really need both of them and, and the right balance of both to have a healthy gut. Um, and when we're looking at 
how to build that healthy balance. We're looking at eating foods that aren't causing inflammation, foods that aren't causing, um, you know, reactions or sensitivities in the body, because that's what causes things to kind of get out of balance. So, and these are things like, you know, there's physical stressors, there's chemical stressors, there's biochemical stressors, there's situational, all those kinds of stresses can, can cause inflammation in the body, which can cause an imbalance of gut bacteria. Um, but when we're able to, A, like we were just talking about regulating the nervous system, kind of manage stress and the nervous system, that's going to help, uh, you know, keep that balance. And then also eating foods that are promoting that healthy balance. So, you know, we'll get into this too, but, um, eating a lot of plant-based foods, not necessarily you have to be plant-based to have a healthy gut. That's definitely not what I'm saying, but to eat a good balance of plant-based foods, because really most of the foods that are feeding the good bacteria are plant-based foods. It's fruits, it's vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, all those things that come from the earth that are helping feed the bacteria that's in your gut. And we need a good variety of all of that to promote all of those healthy bacteria. Mm. Yeah. So this is interesting because, um, I did one of those like gut health tests. I'm curious mm -hmm. what your thoughts are on those. Mm -hmm. I did. Um, so I, I started to have some gut issues. Um, I think I still do. I'm not quite sure. I think it might be gluten or it could mm -hmm. be hormonal. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, sometimes I notice that gluten bothers me. Sometimes it doesn't, mm -hmm. it could just, again, it could be situational. It could be hormonal. Right. It could be a lot of different things, but, um, I, I did notice that I was, I had a lot of inflammation in my body. I was getting brain fog. Um, no matter how much I was working out, I wasn't losing weight. Um, I was always tired. I'm anemic anyway. Um, so there's that. Yeah. And, um, so I was like, I really want to like figure this out. So I did, uh, one of those gut health tests mm -hmm. and, and what came back was, was really interesting. Some of the foods that I really loved were like, uh, stay away kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like my digestion wasn't great. My absorption wasn't great. And then some of the things that I was like, not really into were like high right. on the list, but right. it was, it was interesting. Like things like avocado and eggs, um, certain types of fruit mm -hmm. was like a no for me. And I'm like, Oh, but I love these foods. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of torn between the mindset of like, this is quote unquote bad for me. Right. At versus like, but I really enjoy right. this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I honestly couldn't keep up with like the thing that it yeah. told me to do. Like yeah. I just, yeah. it wasn't sustainable for me and I didn't find it enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, um, stopping that, but then I did go plant-based and I noticed a humongous difference, um, going plant-based with yeah. everything. I dropped 10 pounds, not even trying just like naturally. And I've kind mm -hmm. of been hovering in that same place. I feel great, but I still have some gut stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that to say, I'm <laughs> curious, like, what are your thoughts on these like gut tests? Are they, are they yeah. actually like worth the money? Is it, yeah. is it like accurate? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's good. Good question. Um, so one of the, so as an FDNP functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, I do run a lot of functional labs on my clients. And one of my run, it, it's one that I get from a specific lab. So it's probably not the one that you did, but, um, I do run a, a lab on it's a GI mapping. It's a stool test. And that's really probably one of my most favorite ones because it's so telling because it does, it tells a lot about the good bacteria and the bad bacteria and yeast and parasites and fungi and these intestinal health markers and all these things of what's going on in the gut. And all of them point to different things about, you know, what your hormones are doing and your cortisol levels and, and you know, all these things in the gut. 
And so I do think those tests can be valuable. Now, granted, you know, I'm not an expert on all the, the tests that are out there, but I do think they can be valued. If anything, it's, it's that awareness piece we're talking about. It's just being aware of what's going on in your body, which is always helpful. Um, but I think so here's the thing with those two. So with the food, if anybody is doing a food sensitivity test, so when you're doing these tests and I do run one of those two, actually for my clients, I do a food sensitivity test. Um, when you're looking at those tests, it doesn't mean that you're sensitive to that forever. And a lot of times when we're eating the same thing over and over again, which is why, again, why I was talking about eating variety, why we mm. should really eat a variety of foods, your body can become sensitive to it because it's eating, it's getting access to it all the time. It's having to break it down all the time. So it can kind of build its sensitivity up to that food. So there's like rotate, you can eat like a rotation diet where you kind of eat things in rotation. So your body doesn't build up that sensitivity or just eating a good variety of food. It really kind of keeps that from happening. Mm. So when I do the food sensitivity test on my clients, I like to do it at the beginning of when we work together. And I like to do it at the end because it always changes. And so, and, and a lot of times too, when your body is in this like mode of inflammation, it's just super sensitive to things just in general. So like a person who is not in the same state of in inflammation as you is not going to be sensitive to, it, but your body's just like highly reactive. So it's going to react to things, you know, at like a heightened state. So that's one thing that can happen. So it's important for people to know if you are doing those tests on yourself, that it's not like, cause I know it can be like, you're talking about all these foods. Well, I like all these foods. And so you think, well, crap, I can't eat any of those anymore. It's, it's not really one of those things. A lot of times it's like for my clients, it's usually like, okay, let's give it 90 days without these things that are on the list. Let's calm do, which we do a bunch of other things too. calm down the inflammation, kind of let your body calm down. And then we'll start to reintroduce those foods that you really like that were on the list. Right. Mm. And so it, it can be one of those things too, where it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily mean your body's going to react to it forever. It just, we need to just calm down what's going on on the inside. It's so interesting what you're saying about rotating food, because I eat, I find myself like when I, have you looked at my Instacart history? <laughs> it's the same stuff. I'm right? pretty much ordering. Like, <laughs> let's see, there's always avocados, clementines, cucumbers, hummus, uh, broccolini, baby carrots, <laughs> arugula, pasta, <laughs> vegan cheese, vegan ice cream, <laughs> and like spinach. Yeah. I put those in my smoothies every day. Frozen fruit, like pineapples, mangoes, mm -hmm. strawberries, um, apples. I'm trying to think of what else that I usually, and that's <laughs> zucchini every now and then, but yeah, it's like always the same stuff. The same right. Stuff. And mm -hmm. then I'll do like black beans sometimes if I'm doing like, um, like a taco night mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. um, every now and then peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, mm -hmm. cause I'm a toddler and <laughs> like some kettle cooked chips. Like I like that kind of, so yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm like, wow, I really do eat mm -hmm. a lot of the same stuff mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think most of us do like we are creatures of habit and it does make it easy, but it's really just finding like you can still eat the same things, but just build some creativity into that. So instead of black beans this week, maybe I buy, you know, chickpeas or, or pinto beans or, you know, different kind, maybe instead of romaine, I buy, you know, butter lettuce, you know, but being able to build creativity into the things that you really like, but just kind of a different version of that. So you're, it's still the variety because, and that's really, we're talking about gut health. There are multiple studies that show that those who eat at least 30 different types of plants per week have a healthier gut microbiome than those that eat less than 30. So the variety really does build a healthy gut. It helps keep a lot of different varieties of bacteria and enzymes in your gut. And that's what keeps it healthy mm -hmm. and helps fight off, you know, the bad bacteria. 
So interesting. So 30 is the target. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's like, I'm a, I'm a like numbers person. Yes. So, there okay. you go. Do I have 30 in my fridge? Maybe, maybe not <laughs> probably more like 15. Um, okay. So what are your thoughts on, um, like processed foods when, mm-hmm. and when I say process, I mean, things like meal replacement shakes, mm-hmm. um, like supplements, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you know, collagen's a big thing right now that we're seeing, like, that's like the, kind of the thing. And now you're starting to see like, sea moss and algae and all these different like super food powders and and all that. So what are your thoughts on that stuff? I think, I think they have their place. I think, um, you know, obviously there's like stipulations around that. Like we should look at the ingredients and make sure there's no fillers and allergies and stuff. But yeah, I think, I think for the most part, they all have their place. I mean, I think it's good to have a good plant-based protein powder in your arsenal to use, um, you know, to fill in the gaps and to use, you know, around workouts, whatever. And all of those that are the superfoods that we're talking about, I think those are all can be really helpful and can really fill in again. It's all about filling in the gaps and that's what supplements are for. And, you know, I am a proponent of supplements and when I'm working with my clients, they have a whole supplement protocol to help with whatever's going on with their body. And, you know, there's different opinions about it. If you ask like, you know, the medical world, a lot of doctors aren't really big fans of supplements. They think it just makes for expensive pee. But if you look at what, you know, are the quality of our food is right now, it's, it's nothing like it used to be 50 crap, even 20 years ago. It's, you know, our soil is degrading our farms are, you know, it's just, it's just not the same. So the quality, the, the, the nutritional value that's in the food that we're growing now just isn't the same. So I, I do think that they're necessary just to fill in the gaps, just because of, you know, industrialized civilization has just kind of put a damper on the quality of the food we're growing, you know, for sure. And, and I know, um, when I decided to go plant-based, one of the things that I incorporated right away was a B12 mm-hmm. and now I do a, a liquid B12 and a liquid vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, but more recently I was, I, I cut out all caffeine because I was starting to notice that I was feeling a lot of anxiety throughout mm-hmm. the day. And then it was crashing in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. And I just like intuitively was like, I think I need to cut caffeine out and mm-hmm. I feel so much better, but I was still getting a little bit tired. So I incorporated a multivitamin and it's, I, I feel it's like night and day. That's awesome. Like I feel the difference. And yeah, yeah, sometimes my pee is a little bit brighter, but then I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. I just need to drink more water, right? like drink some more water. <laughs> but also, um, kind of like to your point earlier about, you know, incorporating human design and all the fluctuations, I think that every single day is different. Mm-hmm. Right. And depending totally. on what we ate or drank the day before where we are mm-hmm. in our hormone cycle, like what's going on in environmentally, like we might need different things. Yep, and I exactly. always, viewed, um, you know, my multivitamin is kind of like an insurance policy. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What it needs. It's exactly it. And, and, and for the most part, all the ones that are in there, like you're just going to pee them out. Like the water soluble ones, you just pee them out. If you don't need it, your body's going to use what it needs to use. And then, you know, and it's, it, I, I told that's exactly what it is. It's just, it's just yeah. insurance. Yeah. Okay. So this mm-hmm. is totally random, but it's on my mind <laughs> because I, I came, I was, I took a flight yesterday from California to Atlanta. So I was traveling for about seven hours mm-hmm. and every time I fly, I get so bloated. My stomach yes. gets really upset. Why mm-hmm. is that? Like, it's like, it's the pressure change. Cause I just do the same thing. Water really helps. Like if you can end up, which I know it kind of sucks. Cause <laughs> if you're like me, you hate going to the bathroom on an airplane, but <laughs> that pressure change really does a number to you. So I, yeah, I totally feel that hydration is key for that. And are there some foods that you should maybe avoid when you're traveling or you're flying? 
I mean, the process stuff isn't really going to do you any favors when you're already like going to be in a situation where you're going to feel like that. So I would say that's probably like the main thing. <laughs> yeah. Stay away from all the airport yeah. snacks, mm-hmm. which is all I ever want. I'm like, I know, all right? the snacks. Exactly. Okay. So you had mentioned a little bit earlier about some different like components of holistic nutrition. And I know it's, it's not just about nutrition. You mentioned, you know, incorporating human design. So what is like, how do you define holistic? nutrition and what are like the pillars or the foundational pieces that go into, uh, you know, a holistic nutrition practice? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important question because like I mentioned before, I think a lot of times people don't really know what that means. Like they hear it and they either think it's like woo woo, or they think you're like anti-medicine or anti-doctors or anti-Western medicine, whatever. And it's, it's not that at all. Holistic nutrition just means taking a holistic approach, looking at the body as a whole. We are a mind, we're a body, we're a spirit. And you putting all of those together to treat the body as a whole with whatever symptoms you're dealing with. So the difference is if you were to go to just a regular medical doctor, they're going to treat you for each individual symptom that you go in for. When you're taking the holistic approach or more functional approach, you're treating the whole body. So we're going to look at, you know, what's going on in your body and your nervous system, your digestive system, endocrine system, all the bodily functions. But then we're also going to look at your, your mind, what's going on with your stress and your emotions and your mental health and all of those things and your spirit. Do we have, are we living with purpose? Are we living to our full potential? Are we working on emotional intelligence? All of those things that go into wellness where it's not just about like the physical part of our bodies, but it's all of those things put together because they all affect each other. Mm, So interesting. I'm like literally thinking about like, I'm like, am I stressed out every single day? I'm like, yeah, I think I am, but it's like healthy stress. Right. And like, how does that impact my food? And, um, one of the, one of the practices that I have in my life is gratitude. Like I always have gratitude for my clients and for my money, but I'm like, and, and I have gratitude for my food, but, um, you know, like really like sitting with the food that I'm about to eat and not judging it like as good or bad and really like infusing it with the frequency of like pleasure and like, Hey, I'm going to eat this cookie and I'm going to love it. And I'm not going to kill myself for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I can see how, um, human design would play into this. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about, you know, how this, fits into holistic nutrition and some of the ways that you've been incorporating it into your practice. Yeah. So it's really kind of all just kind of rolling out, like as I'm putting things together with new clients that are coming in, we're really looking at, you know, how, how we best use our energy and where our energy is best, um, the word I'm looking for. So, so for example, looking at like the defined centers, right. That's going to affect how, and what the best way to exercise is and how, whether we're, you know, if we're doing too much high intensity exercise, we're going to feel like completely drained because if we have like think about the root center defined versus open, um, someone who has a defined center needs more like high intensity, like get the energy out, expel the energy. Someone with, um, a non-defined root center is going to need something more grounding, something a little slower pace, something more like yoga. And that's really going to make them feel more grounded. So it's, it's using things like that, just as an example, using things like that to, um, because if you're going against it, you're going to run into that, like not self theme, right. You're going to run into the frustration or the anger, whatever it is. You're going to feel like, like we're talking about like, well, it's not working. None of this is working when you're not doing exactly what's best for your body and how you should be using your energy, where your energy energy should be put placed. Mm. And so what is a defined center? Ah, yes. So on your chart, if it's, if it's filled in, that would be a defined center. And if it's not filled in, it would be undefined. And what does that mean? Like, what does defined mean versus undefined? 
Now I am no human design expert, so I don't know all the answers <laughs> I don't know to all, all these. of your questions you're gonna you're gonna ask me here. <laughs> uh, but I do know that when it is an undefined center, you take more from the external world, and that's kind of what helps what um, leads to like how you make decisions and stuff versus a defined center. So defined is probably like more like an internal process and an undefined Mm -hmm. is more of like an external process. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. You know, I've had a few guests on the podcast that have talked more and more about human design Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, their Enneagram and human design. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is so interesting. And I can see, I can really see it's like how, and also astrology too. Like mm-hmm. I've worked with an astrologer. I'm like, these are all the ultimate, like, you know, personality tests, mm-hmm. right. Or it personality is. grids, um, yep. of like really how just, just not that it's like the end all be all, but it can really provide such a yeah. beautiful insight into right. you're not crazy. Like, no, right. you really aren't crazy. Like this exactly. is just like learning to work with your body as opposed exactly to against it. it. Yeah. That's exactly. And that's, I mean, that's how I felt when I first got into it. Like I had, you know, I did the chart and I had a couple of readings and I'm like, like, I felt so validated because I had been working, being so frustrated with doing certain things, in my business and trying to do things the way I thought I should be doing it. When I'm like, no, actually here's how to not feel frustrated. Like I just felt so validated saying like, okay, this is how my body works. Like, this is where I should be putting my energy. And I think it's important for people to understand it. And it's not about like putting yourself in a box either. Cause I, I know I've heard people say that too, like, well, I don't want to put myself in a box, but it's not really about that. It's just understanding how, like you're talking about how your body works, how your energy works and just how to work with that. Mm, It's yeah. It's, it's about harmony. Like that's Mm -hmm. what I hear when I hear you Mm -hmm. say that of like, how can I really set myself up to be my best advocate and really create harmony instead of trying to consistently work against my nature and my own, Mm -hmm. my own, you know, my own makeup. Right. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. So what led you down this path of, you know, you're plant-based, you are a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner, you're a holistic nutritionist. So like, what was the sort of reason or thing that guided mm-hmm. you in this direction? Mm-hmm. Cause you're clearly passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well my, so the plant-based thing really came first and that was, um, I mean, I guess like maybe 11 years ago, I I grew up with a lot of digestive issues, like in and out of doctors and colonoscopies and endoscopes and all the things you do to figure out what's going on in the body. And I know it's not much different today, but back then it was like, oh, you have IBS, which is like doctors speak for like, we don't know what it is. Like we're just telling you it's IBS. So then they send you on your way. They don't tell you what to do about it or anything. And so the older I got, the more I started, you know, reading more about it or about, you know, learning things about nutrition and all that. And my twenties, I decided, um, I started reading some books and read some books about, you know, plant-based diet. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to try it. So like tomorrow I'm going to be vegan. And so I tried it and just to see how, you know, it would affect my body and, and feeling how, like you were talking about your experience, the same with, for me, I just, and it was, I mean, it was almost immediate where it's like my digestive system started calming down my allergies, all these things, just, I could feel the difference. And so, um, so that kind of set me on the trajectory to really learn, dive deeper into just nutrition and using that. So, so I have a, I also have a, a Pilates based fitness studio. And so, um, I, when I started my studio, I wanted to make it like kind of this, like one-stop shop place Right? we do bar and Pilates and yoga and hit classes and all these things. And as I, as I kind of got into it, I realized, well, you can't really be a one-stop shop if you're not offering nutrition for people, right? Cause you can't put the, the full wellness equation together without offering nutrition. 
And so I knew I was already passionate about it because I've just always been reading and learning just for myself. And so I did, I started out just doing like just a basic nutrition coaching program online. So I'm like, at least let me kind of get something, you know, under my belt to kind of offer people support and stuff. And then from there, I just, you know, I, I started working with, with the ladies coming to my studio and then just kept wanting to further my education on it and just kind of dive deeper and deeper just to be able to offer deeper, deeper level of support. And then eventually, you know, doing the FDM program and the holistic nutrition program to be able to scale into an online business to, to offer support for, you know, on a wider scale. Mm, I love that. And so I'm curious, like, what do you wish more people knew about Mm. just living a holistic lifestyle Mm. or just being well in general? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think one thing I've, I've been, I feel like I've been posting about this a lot because I have been like having these conversations with women a lot is like undoing the diet culture mentality, kind of what we were talking about before, where it's, it's not about the food, it's about the calories or, you know, the number on the scale or the carb count or, you know, whatever, and thinking that that's a measure of true health because it's not. And understanding that, it's it, that holistic perspective, looking at it on, from, on a holistic perspective, that it's more than just the physical part. It's more than just the calories. It's more about, you know, how many calories in calories out, like that's not, that's not a measure of true health. And it, it doesn't really work for most people. And so I think I don't want, I don't want to say that it's more complex than that because it makes it sound like it's hard, but it is, it's, it's more than that. I think it's just more depth to it than that, because it is about the quality of food that we're eating. And it's about taking care of your mental and emotional health and not just your physical health. It's just a lot more aspects to it than that. Mm, yeah. So I remember, um, macros were a big thing mm-hmm. for a period of time. There's mm-hmm. this, you know, there's the keto diet, there's the macro diet. Um, there's so many different like diets out there. And I, I feel like for me, one of the challenging parts is that they work mm-hmm. on the outside, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've, I've done some of those things and I was miserable. Mm-hmm. Like I felt so controlled yep. by food. Right. Yeah, so right. How would you define like what for you personally, like what is food freedom for you? Yeah. And, you know, I will say to that point, you know, I think sometimes those things have their place and I think they do like we're talking about before, they do work for some people, but a lot of times too, people see the weight as the problem when the weight's not the problem, the weight is the symptom. So the fact that you can't lose weight is not the problem. It's the symptom of something else that's going on in your body. And I think when we shift that makes a difference too, because we are looking at food in a different way and we need to figure out what's going on in the body. That's keeping my body from, you know, being at the healthy way to want to be at or whatever. But, but to your question, I think, um, find freedom in a, in, in the sense that you're not, we're not a slave to what you're eating every day, right? Like you have the ability to fuel your body in a healthy way, but you also have the freedom to like treat your body in a healthy way because it's, it's about balance. It's, it's not all about restriction. Now, obviously, you know, we can't be eating like, you know, cookies and ice cream all day, every day, but, but when you look at it as, using food as fuel and as actual like nutrition and as like medicine for your body and how it was intended, you know, originally using food as medicine, you can go back and read about Hippocrates and all of that, but using that mindset rather than 
you know, the calorie count and the carbs and the fat and all of that. And again, sometimes that does have its place. And especially when you're dealing, you know, looking at people who, um, are like, you know, severely overweight that need to like, when it's like a health issue now, like, of course, like there's things that we need to do to let's look at like your car, your, your macronutrient intake and all that, but just in a general sense, looking at food in a different way, rather than just like being in that state where it's like, well, I just need to eat because I have to eat, but looking at it where it's like, like you were talking about like enjoying it and the whole gratitude thing around it. And like, what energy are you in when you're eating it? And that kind of thing really changes how you see food and how your body uses the food. It's so interesting because I'm really big on like my energy being Mm -hmm. my number one priority and Mm -hmm. self-care and all these things. And I find myself, um, kind of ignoring my own hunger cues. Mm -hmm. Like I'm hungry, but I'm, I'm like, let me just throw this pile of laundry in real quick, or let me just send this email real quick, or let me just do these things before I take the time to like Mm -hmm. sit down and eat. And all the while, like I'm getting hungrier and hungrier. Mm -hmm. And by the time it's time to eat, I am not even really enjoying my food. I'm just, and, and it's usually like, let me just whatever I can grab. So it's like yep. two slices of vegan cheese, a couple <laughs> of clementines, like some veggie chips and hummus, uh, a peanut butter cup. And like that, I mean, yeah, that's it. Like that. Yeah. And maybe I slice up a couple <laughs> cucumbers and throw some truffle salt on it because I'm yeah. so hungry at that right. point that like, I've gone be, I've gone like past the yeah. mm-hmm. pleasure threshold. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just at like the savage, whatever I can yes. get in my body threshold. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, but I find for me, like whenever I can with anything in life, like bringing full presence to what mm-hmm. I'm doing and really being in the frequency of enjoyment and pleasure mm-hmm. and making it feel good has helped me shift, um, my relationship with so much. I, I shared this on social media the other day of like how we are, um, as humans, like designed to move further away from pain or closer to pleasure. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. the old me, cause, um, I did fitness competitions and, you know, very restrictive diet. Um, the workouts were because I, didn't like the way I looked on the outside and I wanted to lose weight and I had a very specific goal. And so, um, I was moving away from a pain point of, you know, but nothing in that was pleasurable. And, you know, it took a long time for me to find freedom in food Mm -hmm. and workouts to say that this is actually, I'm moving closer to pleasure. Like I work out because it makes me feel good. I Mm -hmm. enjoy it. Or I'm eating these foods because I like them. And Mm -hmm. I think because I have to eat them, not because Mm -hmm. I have to, but because Mm -hmm. I choose and I'm Mm -hmm. in, I'm actually in control. So I'm curious, like, let's talk about control for a second. Mm -hmm. I see the parallels in my life between um, my relationship to money, my relationship to food in the past was a relationship of control, which mm-hmm. actually never, I never felt satisfied. Right. Right. Um, so how, like for that person that maybe is in that cycle of like, they feel like, you know, they have to count every calorie mm-hmm. and they have to be really in control of their diet and they don't mm-hmm. have any freedom. Like what would be a way that they can kind of shift that paradigm of control? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, and I can, I can relate to that too. And I, I grew up, I grew up as a dancer. And so it was, it was trying to fit into, you know, that 
ballerina stigma. And I'm not, I mean, I'm short and I've always had like an, a somewhat like petite athletic build. So I never had the ballerina body that I thought I somehow was going to grow like eight inches or something. So <laughs> I, I, I was in that mindset where, and, and it was common too, just because all my friends were the same way. We were all dancers and everybody wanted to be the skinny ballerina, you know? And so I, I say, I just had a really, really bad relationship with food. Um, and so I think I mean, it's, it, it, it's a process because, because it, it's, un, it's undoing, it's rewiring your brain. You're literally having to rewire your brain. So it's not, it's not as easy as like, oh, well, I'm going to see food as fuel now. Like, I'm gonna see food. like, it's not as easy as that. It's, you literally have to rewire what's going on in your brain to be able to shift that. And so I think it's taking that in, you know, small steps and it's, it's figuring out first, like, where is one place where I can release control? Like for me, I, you know, I had this really bad relationship with food and then I started doing like marathons and stuff. Cause I, again, I was running, I was doing it. Cause I felt like I didn't like how I looked. I just went, I'm just going to keep running. And, and I kept injuring myself. And at some point it's like, okay, something, something's not working right. Like I'm not doing something right. I keep getting injured. I'm tired all the time. Like you, you it's, it's finding that awareness piece piece, first of all, the awareness piece is huge and, and being aware of what is, what is making me feel like I have to control this situation. What's making me feel like I don't have control of it. So I have to force control of it, like finding that awareness piece, first of all. And then, and then again, it's just, it's going to be a process of rewiring your brain and figuring out little things you can kind of relinquish control of and allow your body to, just let go of that control a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. It's trust. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. trusting, 100%. you know, and it sounds to me like with the work that you're doing and really having a lot more awareness around human design and what, what wellness actually feels like, not what it looks like, but what it feels like is then you can start to build trust with yourself mm-hmm. that, okay, if I, if I really truly give myself permission to feel pleasure mm-hmm. in this moment, like it's not going to hurt me. It's actually exactly. going to help me. Exactly. You know? It's yeah. And it's, it's, it's figuring out because like you're saying, I mean, that, and that's what our nervous system does. It, it finds any way it possible to feel safe. It just wants to feel safe. It's, it's like our innate thing that's in our, you know, primal nervous system. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's being able to teach your brain, like feeling pleasure with what I'm eating, being okay that I'm eating this cookie right now. Like it, it's safe. It's okay. It's okay for me to feel pleasurable while I'm, you know, pleasure while I'm eating this. Yeah. I have a funny story I want to share about cookies because you said (laughs) you can't eat cookies and ice cream all day. I'm like, but why? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, but I love sugar. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I, it's probably something that I could do a better job of regulating because, Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm not listening to my hunger cues, then, oh, and I I should add like frozen cookie dough to that list of things (laughs) I have for lunch. I'm like, you know, I have put that in there too. Um, but, um, when I was doing fitness competitions, right. And this, this was kind of the similar experience that I had with, with money of, of like budgeting, right. Mm-hmm. Everything was very strict. Like everything mm-hmm. was weighed and measured and count, mm-hmm. counted and timed out um, for a very specific reason. And I think sometimes I had a similar experience with money, with budgeting, like every penny was accounted for. There was a lot of restriction in that. Mm-hmm. And I don't do well with that much restriction. It was yeah. like my inner child just wants to rebel. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. and like binge. And so I started to notice like those tendencies, even with my money, where if I was over restricted in my, in my budgeting that I would go on like a target binge and like blackout and have $300 worth of throw pillows and candles <laughs> and socks and, you know, all the things. Um, but my, um, a, a close girlfriend of mine was the high school volleyball coach. And some of the girls that were on her team were daughters of girls I went to high school with. So I, and I went to this, uh, volleyball, um, dinner in the middle of my show prep. And there was this tray of like, like they were like Otis Spunkmeyer chocolate chip mm-hmm. cookies. Mm-hmm. Like they're like soft and yep. they're big. And I was like, Oh my God, those look so good. And I was really like, everyone knew that I was, um, prepping for a fitness show. Right. So I grabbed three cookies and I, I wrapped them up in a, in a uh, tissue and I put them in my purse. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I like sat down on the kitchen floor and I was like eating these cookies. <laughs> like, Oh my God, if anyone saw me eating these cookies right now, oh like it was like this, it wasn't <laughs> shameful, but I was eating them so fast yes. that I couldn't even like stop to enjoy mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I couldn't even like I couldn't even experience the pleasure that I was craving so right. much because I ate right. them so fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cookies that's so funny. It's, it's so true though. I think that happens a lot of times. And, and that's, you know, you hear um, about, you know, really like severe eating disorders and stuff. And that's what happens. It's like yeah. your brain can't handle it. And then when you get it, it's like, I mean, it's like a, like a drug addict, you know, it's like you can't mm-hmm. handle when you get it. And then it's like, your body doesn't even have time to realize like what's going on. So it's, it's, it's a real thing. And I, I think that's, the, you know, it's a fine line too, when you're in that, that mode of control, it, it could teeter off the deep end real fast, real easy. Like it's, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a fine line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now I just sit in and eat the cookie with like full permission. I'm like, this is Absolutely. So good. it's so good for me. <laughs> so, I love right. this. This is such that's a great right. experience. <laughs> and like, I love that you, you know, a lot of this is all around awareness. Cause I know for me with food, it's like, um, you know, I might be craving 15 different things, but mm-hmm. I really just stop and ask myself, like, what is, what am I really craving? Mm-hmm you mm-hmm. know, or, um, yep. how do I want to feel mm-hmm. after this date is over? Like, do I want to feel bloated and right. kind of like <laughs> gross or do I want to feel good? So I'll make food choices based on like the end result. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I do the same. And, and I think it really, it just all goes back to the awareness piece and, and literally asking yourself, how do I want to feel later? You yeah. know? Cause that's, I mean, I think that's, and, and just in, in, in knowing that, okay, like for me, I, you know, I, I'm lactose intolerant. And if, if I eat something with cheese, if I'm, I have to tell myself, like, do I really want to feel like that later? Sometimes maybe it's okay. Like, I understand I'm going to be in the bathroom later, you know, like that's, it is what but it I'm is. I'm doing it for cheese. Exactly. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But being aware that either you're okay with it or you're not, but making like being able to make an empowered decision from that place, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So I I feel like I could ask you a million more questions, (laughs) but I'm sure that, um, you have, I know you have a community that you're building. And, and so Mm -hmm. for those that maybe want to get more educated on, you know, gut health, understanding the microbiome, um, maybe how to incorporate human design, like all of the things that, that you offer, what's the best way for people to get more information? Yeah. So I, I do have a free community. It's on a uh, Facebook live wholesome and healthy, and it's all things, holistic nutrition and holistic living and, um, plant-based eating and all of those things. And then, and then I do a lot on Instagram, just 
educating and informing and giving all the, the value that I can there just to teach people how to feel more empowered in their bodies and make empowered decisions. I love that. And we'll make sure we link that, um, in the show notes. And then the way that you practice, is it virtual or do you offer in-person experiences as well? Um, virtual. I mean, if you're in person, then yeah, you know, I have studios here. I'm in San Antonio, Texas, but virtually. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Awesome. All right. So we'll make sure that we link all of that in the show notes. Okay. Um, last question. And you can go like as, as big as you want on this one. I know sometimes people have a hard time with this, but, um, what are you celebrating right now? Hmm, That's good. Um, I think I have to say that I've, I've been like really honing in to listening to me, like my tuition, my inner voice kind of thing. And I've done a couple like inner voice sessions. If you've ever have never done one of those, you should totally do it. And it's like so enlightening, but for me, it's, it's that it's recognizing and learning to listen to that and making decisions from that place rather than like, again, that perfectionist type A in me, like wants to question everything, make sure it's right. But recognizing what my intuition, my inner voice is telling me and moving from that Mm. and learning that and implementing that is, I I mean, that's, that's worth celebrating for me. (laughs) Mm. There's so much to celebrate in that. Is there anything that you would be open to sharing? Like maybe one that's been a little bit more recent where you're like, okay, you're, you're, you're choosing to listen to the intuition versus like the inner critic or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, um, I just, I had a session the other day and it was, um, it was creating space. And it's one of those things where like a lot of times, like you hear your inner voice telling you things. It's like, it's like not nothing you don't know. It's like, it's reminding, like you've known this the whole time, but you haven't been listening to it. And so for me, it's, it's creating space. And what I mean by that is I am just like this go, go, I've got to do all the things and I had to keep doing. And that's, that's my, like, the inner child work and all that stuff I've worked through is like doing is earning, right? I have to keep doing the things to earn the things, all of that, you know? And so it's like, you know, how full can you fill your schedule every day? How many things can you put on your to-do list and just keep doing, 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 doing. And you start to either, you know, burn out, run yourself ragged, run your health into the ground. There's a lot of things that can happen when you're running like that. But for me, it's recognizing that doing less is more, And when you make space to like hear your intuition, your inner voice and all of that, that's where the the downloads come in, right? That's where the creativity comes in and and you're making space to like reach all these goals you're working towards because you've been able to like quiet yourself down enough to listen to which direction you should be going. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my biggest one. The past weeks is just creating more space. That's so beautiful. I love that. I'm a big fan of that. I'm celebrating Mm -hmm. you for that. Thank you. And I think a lot of women, um, and men, but you know, the women that listen to this podcast would agree that, um, that's something that we're, we all could celebrate Mm -hmm. is, you know, less is more. And, um, it's really about, um, potency, Mm -hmm. right? Like focused energy and the potency of like, absolutely. Um, and it's probably a similar thing with food. Like that's why Mm -hmm. there's some superfoods, right? So you Mm -hmm. could, um, have a better experience with, uh, more potent Mm -hmm. ingredients versus like some of the things that are maybe processed or a little bit less nutrient dense. Yeah. 
Right. That's it. And that, and I teach my clients all the time. It's like finding ways to swap out foods that are with foods that are more nutritionally dense to just to get more bang for your buck. And it's, it's so true. It's the potency. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm celebrating you hope. Thank you you. so much for answering all of my crazy questions. (laughs) I'm like, so asking for a friend, (laughs) how do I not get bloated on dates? Um, but no, that it makes so much sense of like the nervous system and, you know, Mm all that and just bringing so much more awareness to our energy with food and and holistic Mm -hmm. health. So, um, you guys, if you, if you love this episode, make sure you follow hope, share it with a friend, um, go check out her Facebook group and, um, yeah, I'm just celebrating you and and thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. All right, guys, till the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye guys. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.